Good evening, and welcome to Numa. I am and shall always be your faithful friend and host, Daniel Finneran. Thank you so very much for joining me tonight. In this installment of Fall Asleep With Me, I'll be reading to you, dear friend and listener, Evelyn Waugh's 1945 masterpiece, Bride's Head Revisited. This book, to which we'll dedicate the next half hour or so, is sure to put you to sleep. Tomorrow morning, when you wake, fully rested and restored of life, I entreat you to Subscribe to this channel and share it with your friends. You can do me the honor of leaving a five-star rating on this episode. Assuming we consummate our time together with sleep. If you'd like me to read your favorite story in a gentle, sleepy tone of voice, don't hesitate to reach out. Send me an email at numa.finnerin at gmail.com. And your story shall be read. Now, quiet your mind. Turn down or off the brightness of your screen. Close your eyes. Concentrate on two things. 
your breath and the sound of my voice. We saw few strangers. There was the agent, a lean, pouchy colonel, who crossed our path occasionally and once came to tea. Usually we manage to hide from him. On Sundays, a monk was fetched from a neighboring monastery to say mass and breakfast with us. He was the first priest I ever met. I noticed how unlike he was to a parson. But Brideshead was a place of such enchantment to me that I expected everything and everyone to be unique. Father Phipps was, in fact, a bland, bun-faced man with an interest in county cricket, which he obstinately believed us to share. You know, Father, Charles and I simply don't know about cricket. I wish I'd seen Tennyson make that 58 last Thursday. That must have been an innings. The account in the Times was excellent. Did you see him against the South Africans? I've never seen him. Neither have I. I haven't seen a first-class match for years. Not since Father Graves took me when we were passing through Leeds. After we'd been to the induction of the abbot at Ampleforth. Father Graves managed to look up a train which gave us three hours to wait on the afternoon of the match against Lancashire. That was 
an afternoon. I remember every ball of it. Since then I had my go by the papers. You seldom go to see cricket. Never, I said. And he looked at me with the expression I have seen since in the religious of innocent wonder that those who expose themselves to the dangers of the world should avail themselves so little of its solace. Sebastian always heard his mass, which was ill-attended. Brideshead was not an old established center of Catholicism. Lady Marchmain had introduced a few Catholic servants, but the majority of them and all the cottagers prayed, if anywhere, among the flight tombs in the little gray church at the gates. Sebastian's faith was an enigma to me at the time, but not one which I felt particularly concerned to solve. I had no religion. I was taken to church weekly as a child and at school attended chapel daily, but, as though in compensation, from the time I went to my public school I was excused church in the holidays. The masters who taught me divinity told me that biblical texts were highly untrustworthy. They never suggested that I should try to pray. My father did not go to church except on family occasions and then with derision. My mother, I think, was devout. It once seemed odd to me that she should have thought it her duty to leave my father and me and go off with an ambulance to Serbia to die of exhaustion in the snow in Bosnia. 
But later I recognized some such spirit in myself. Later, too, I have come to accept claims which then, in 1923, I never troubled to examine and to accept the supernatural as the real. I was aware of no such needs that summer at Brideshead. Often, almost daily, since I had known Sebastian, some chance word in his conversation had reminded me that he was a Catholic but I took it as a foible, like his teddy bear. We never discussed the matter until on the second Sunday at Brideshead, when Father Phipps had left us and we sat in the colonnade with the papers he surprised me by saying, Oh dear, it's very difficult being a Catholic. Does it make much difference to you? Of course, all the time. Well, I can't say I've noticed it. Are you struggling against temptation? You don't seem much more virtuous than me. I'm very, very much wickeder, said Sebastian indignantly. Well then, Who was it used to pray? Oh God, make me good. But not yet. I don't know. You, I should think. Why, yes, I do every day. But it isn't that. He turned back to the pages of the news of the world and said, Another naughty schoolmaster? I suppose they try and make you believe an awful lot of nonsense. Is it nonsense? I wish it were. It sometimes sounds terribly sensible to me. But my dear Sebastian, 
You can't seriously believe it all. Can't I? I mean about Christmas and the star and the three kings and the ox and the ass. Oh yes, I believe that. It's a lovely idea. But you can't believe things because they are a lovely idea. But I do. That's how I believe. And in prayers, do you think you can kneel down in front of a statue and say a few words, not even out loud, just in your mind, and change the weather? Or that some saints are more influential than others, and you must get hold of the right one to help you on the right problem. Oh yes, don't you remember last term when I took Aloysius and left him behind? I didn't know where. I prayed like mad to St. Anthony of Padua that morning. And immediately after lunch, there was Mr. Nichols at Canterbury Gate with Aloysius in his arms, saying I'd left him in his cab. Well, I said, if you can believe all that and you don't want to be good, where is the difficulty about your religion? If you can't see, you can't. Well, where? Oh, don't be a bore, Charles. I want to read about a woman in Hull who's been using an instrument. You started the subject. I was just getting interested. I'll never mention it again. Thirty-eight other cases were taken into consideration in sentencing her to six months. Golly. But he did mention it again. Some ten days later. As we were lying on the roof of the house, sunbathing and watching through a telescope the agricultural show which was in progress in the park below us. It was a modest two-day show serving the neighboring parishes and 
surviving more as a fair and social gathering than as a center of serious competition. A ring was marked out in flags and around it had been pitched half a dozen tents of varying size. There was a judge's box and some pens for livestock. The largest marquee was for refreshments. And there the farmers congregated in numbers. Preparations had been going on for a week. We shall have to hide, said Sebastian as the day approached. My brother will be here. He's a big part of the agricultural show. So we lay on the roof under the balustrade. Brideshead came down by train in the morning and lunched with Colonel Fender, the agent. I met him for five minutes on his arrival. Anthony Blanche's description was peculiarly apt. He had the flight face carved by an Aztec. We could see him now, through the telescope, moving awkwardly among the tenants, stopping to greet the judges in their box, leaning over a pen, gazing seriously at the cattle. Queer fellow, my brother, said Sebastian. He looks normal enough. Oh, but he's not. If only you knew. He's much the craziest of us. Only it doesn't come out all at once. He's all twisted inside. He wanted to be a priest, you know. I didn't. I think he still does. He nearly became a Jesuit, straight from Stonyhurst. It was awful for Mummy. She couldn't exactly try and stop him. But of course it was the last thing she wanted. Think what people would have said. The eldest son. It's not as been me and poor Papa. The church has been enough trouble to him without that happening. There was a frightful to-do. Monks and Monsignore running round the house like mice and Brideshead just sitting glum and 
talking about the will of God. He was the most upset, you see, when Papa went abroad. Much more than Mummy, really. Finally, they persuaded him to go to Oxford and think it over for three years. Now he's trying to make up his mind. He talks of going into the guards and into the House of Commons and of marrying. He doesn't know what he wants. I wonder if I should have been like that if I'd gone to Stonyhurst. I should have gone. Only Papa went abroad before I was old enough. And the first thing he insisted on was my going to Eton. Has your father given up religion? Well, he's had to in a way. He only took to it when he married Mummy. When he went off, he left that behind with the rest of us. You must meet him, he's a very nice man. Sebastian had never spoken seriously of his father before. I said, it must have upset you all when your father went away. All but Cordelia. She was too young. It upset me at the time. Mummy tried to explain it to the three eldest of us so that we wouldn't hate Papa. I was the only one who didn't. I believe she wishes I did. I was always his favorite. I should be staying with him now if it wasn't for his foot. I'm the only one who goes. Why don't you come too? You'd like him. A man with a megaphone was shouting the results of the last event in the field below. His voice came faintly to us. So you see, we are a mixed family, religiously. Brideshead and Cordelia are both fervent Catholics. He's miserable. She's bird happy. Julia and I are half heathen. I am happy. I rather think 
Julia isn't. Mummy is popularly believed to be a saint, and Papa is excommunicated. And I wouldn't know which of them was happy. Anyway, however you look at it, happiness doesn't seem to have much to do with it. And that's all I want. I wish I liked Catholics more. They seem just like other people. My dear Charles, that's exactly what they're not, particularly in this country where they are so few. It's not just that they're a clique. As a matter of fact, they're at least four cliques, all blackguarding each other half the time. But they've got an entirely different outlook on life. Everything they think important is different from other people. They try and hide it as much as they can, but it comes out all the time. It's quite natural, really, that they should. But you see, it's difficult for semi-heathens like Julia and me. We were interrupted in this unusually grave conversation by loud, childish cries from beyond the chimney stacks. Sebastian, Sebastian. Sweet dreams and farewell. From Numa. <laughs>